Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. Um, We're excited about today's guest. Um, He's a young man that has really taken this smooth jazz world by storm and putting his imprint on it in a major way. He's a multi-instrumentalist, a saxophonist, guitarist, and bassist who's really started making quite the name for himself over the last couple of years. This New Zealand-bred musician, his debut release on Trippin' and Rhythm Records yielded two Billboard number one hits, Let It Flow and Highway 10, and he's really just getting started. Welcome to the show, Ryan Lavalette. Thanks for coming on today, Ryan. Well, thanks for having me, Carl. It's great to be here. Oh, man, it's our pleasure to have you. I got to tell you, man, just watching you over the last, really for me, it's really probably been more over the last year or so. And the music you're putting out, you're working with other artists and like you guys are, you guys are, it's like you guys are spinning some gold right now. (laughs) Thank you, man. We're we're trying hard to put some quality out there. Yeah. Yeah. And you're accomplishing that. I got to tell you, I, you know, I'm wondering what's going on with the water in New Zealand these days, because over the past few months, I've had a chance to interview you and another up and coming artist named Andrea Lisa, who's from New Zealand and another gentleman named Alex Churchill from New Zealand. And so all young folks making an impact on this smooth jazz world. I got I'm wondering, like, what's going on over in New Zealand that all this talent is starting to flow from there now? Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, I actually know the both of them. So, um, yeah, two two great people. Yeah, you know, it's it's and it's cool because I'm a I do a festival here in Milwaukee, and so we've had, you know, I see the and I go to a lot of smooth jazz festivals, and the reality of the situation is a lot of the audience is people like me who are like fifty or so and above, right? And now to begin to see artists like you and Andrea and Lamech and all you guys, like not just coming in, but coming in, making major statements with your music. It bodes really, really well for the genre, I think. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, we just, you know, I think it's cool, you know, seeing a lot of us younger artists come through and, and, and release music and kind of break into the scene. And kind of, I think like the, the goal that we all have is to, is you know all fans I say are, are great fans, but it would be it would be great to start seeing more people of our age start showing up at shows. Absolutely, and I think we're seeing this pattern now. We're we're seeing you know small pockets of people. I mean, uh, when I did my my show at Seabreeze last year, I mean I saw you know pockets of people in their thirties show up. Yeah, so that was really cool. People coming to get CDs and have CDs signed. So that was that was that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that really is. And that and that really bodes well for the the entire genre of the music, I think, too, to be able to see that. I was just um, our producer here today, Suzanne and I were both at um, a snarky puppy show um, a couple weeks ago or about a week ago. Actually, it was actually a week ago. And that was one of the things that I loved about that, too, was that it was so age diverse right it was it was people in their 20s there and it was people like me in their 50s there and people older than me there but everybody was really really digging the music yeah it's it's, it's amazing yeah I, th- I think we're starting to see this happen now yeah yeah it is cool it is cool so with all of the music that you've been exposed to and you can because you can hear the different genres that have impacted you in your music right 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 yeah how did you kind of land on or fall in love with smooth jazz as a genre that you really wanted to to be working in? 
I don't know. I guess you could kind of say it was a, a happy accident. Um, okay. Me, me growing up with, you know, both my parents are not jazz fans. Okay. Whatsoever. They love my music. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they're not jazz fans. So kind of um, what happened, kind of where it began for me was my parents are both huge music enthusiasts. Though. Okay. Not musicians, but they love music. I would have been about five years old at the time. My mum was doing, doing kind of her, her regular weekend spring clean at the time, just kind of dusting the place and vacuuming the place. And she'd always put a CD on uh-huh. and she would do that. And the, and the one, you know, contemporary jazz artist who the record they had in the house at the time was George Benson's Breezen album. Oh, yeah. Um, and when I heard that, it was actually this masquerade. And even at that age, and I heard that intro, I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I want to do, do that. <laughs> so, so that's where it began. And I, I played the life out of that album for years and years and years, um, listening to his guitar sound, trying to emulate that sound. And so he was kind of uh, the, the first major influence, you know, musically in my life okay um so if everything began there and of course when i grew up and got older i started you know you know, you're surfing through the internet you're finding new artists i found norman brown you know yeah Montgomery, and things kind of started to stem from there yeah that's pretty cool i mean those are some pretty pretty doggone serious influences i mean vincent west montgomery norman brown like i mean you you like you're like you're swimming in rarefied air with those guys <laughs> right yeah that's sure. cool who would you say are some of your other influences other influences are well, Grover Washington Jr. on on the saxophone front. Um yeah. Wayman Tisdale. Yeah. Real Wall Bright. Um and then you know, a whole bunch of other, you know, you know, Lee Lee right now, Larry Carlton, a yeah. whole bunch of other artists. And even you know, guys kind of, you know, guys in the um progressive rock front like Paul Gilbert. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Paul Gilbert. Um, I'm not, I went no. through a place where I was massively into progressive rock as well so okay that's kind of my other side that people don't really know too much about mm-hmm. and then of course you know growing up with you know my mum was well she still is to this day a huge classic rock fan so we had the eagles and oh yeah the brothers that kind of stuff you know carlos santana all yeah. those artists yeah um so it's kind of it wasn't just jazz that was around that like i said it was me that found that in the end yeah but that, and then of course, my dad's a huge Motown fan, so you know Marvin Gaye, The Temptations, all that kind of stuff is kind of what I had growing up. So I think it was a pretty, pretty amazing pool of music to be. It's yeah, it really was. Just yeah. listening to you, I'm just sitting here thinking, wow, that that's 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 a cool soundtrack going on in your house, man. Pretty diverse, yeah, that's yeah, for sure. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, what was it like for you the first time you heard one of your songs on radio? And where were you? What were you doing? It took a long time for it to sink in, but okay. if, if I to back to when I first heard my song, it would have been, I think it was on Richard Edwards' radio podcast, okay. Two Grooves, and that was about, or that was, that was long before I got signed. That was in 2018 when he played my single I had out at the time called Dreaming of You featuring Donald Hayes. Okay. Um, and yeah, just, just, just hearing your name getting mentioned on, on the waves and, and hearing, you know, Hearing it being talked about and seeing all the all the comments below, all the love from fans, yeah, it was really quite a, quite a surreal feeling. That is for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's take a moment and let's take a listen to your first big hit. How about we take a listen to "Let It Flow"? Sounds good to me. All right.
everybody that's today's guest Ryan Lavalette with Let It Flow. So Ryan, tell us about tell us about that song and and the impact that song has had on your life and your career. That song, yeah, that that was that was the first smash for me. That one, that that's a, that was a big track. So during the kind of the the production phase of getting the whole New Beginnings album together, and I wrote that song. I wrote out the skeleton of the whole thing, and um. I was working with Nicholas Cole. Nicholas produced probably a good solid half of that that record. Okay. Um, and that guy's easy. He's an absolute genius. He did an incredible job. Um, and I sent him sent him the, the the demo of all the arrangements of that track. And when he came back with everything else, I went, "Damn!" Uh, <laughs> and of course, we sent it through to Jeff Lunt, and he flipped as well. He said, "Ryan, this 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 song has to be your first single." Okay. I'm confident it's going to go to number one. Of course, when you hear that, you think it's great, but you don't really think it's going to happen, right? Right, you know? right, right. <laughs> you never <laughs> ever think it's going to happen. So, I, I I put my heart and soul into to recording the best guitar that I could on it. I actually mixed the track as well. I, I mixed every song on the album. Wow. Um, so it was even a, a, a bigger uh, a bigger boost for me. And yeah. um, so to 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 get a number one with was something that I'd mixed as well. It was absolutely huge. And it got there pretty fast. I think it was within 10 weeks that song hit number one. Yeah. Um, and it was only, I think it was its second week on radio and it debuted at, at, in top 30. So that was something that I've been told is very rare to happen on radio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. And still to this day, there's, there's a lot of people who are resharing that song around social media. Yeah. <laughs> so the line was there for it, that's for sure. No doubt about it. So how did, how did your life change after the success of that song? Well... From there, I mean, more notoriety from just people all over the place. Yeah. Um, fans. I mean, that song, I got to play it live at Seabreeze. Yeah. And I think that really, really boosted everything up too. Um, and, 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 and from there, I mean, that was my first number one. That was, that was you know, a substantial thing for me. Yeah. And everything kind of followed after that. That's awesome. And it's to now. Yeah, that's fantastic. So- Talk to us about your process for making music. What is it? What is that process like for you? I mean, I, I can be anywhere at any given time, and I could have an idea. I mean, I could be in the car in traffic. Okay, and I could, be, and I could hear music. Up, you know, as long as the lights red, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up my phone and kind of hum something into into the voice memo app on my phone. Okay, and then when I get home, I'll, I'll, I'll demo things out. So usually, how I go is I always create a groove first. Uh huh. The beat, and then I, I I build everything around that. Okay, that's usually the process, and then from there I would just keep just keep adding layers on top of that, and on top of that until I get a full track. Okay, okay. Are you one of these people who like um once you get something, are you like really like okay, I got it, I'm good, or are you constantly noodling and constantly tweaking, you know, the, to just make it just perfect. <laughs> Well, sometimes to my detriment, yes, I, I, I keep keep tweaking sometimes. Even you know, there have been times where I've had something that's really good, and 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 Jeff would pull me back and say, "Hey Ryan, you said I think what you had at the beginning was amazing. Don't don't overdo it. We've, okay. we've, we've got it in spots. So it's always good to have you know any good second pair of ears around. You know, because when you're a producer, you really have to trust yourself with 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 your, you know with your ears and with a track that you've produced. Yeah. Sometimes it's very easy to, when you've listened to something a million times and you go back over it, you can actually make it a little bit worse uh-huh. than it was already in the first place. Yeah. So kind of you, you're learning to trust yourself with the process and 
and and knowing that when a song is is in a good place and and, and to leave it alone, you leave it alone. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how did the how did becoming a musician start for you? You grew up with parents who were music in, um, enthusiasts, you said, but not musicians. So no. like after he, like did you was it in school or was it just like after being exposed to like you mentioned you know George Benson's music you were just like I just gotta learn to play and how did that all come to be? So okay, so that all so picking up a guitar that actually happened before before I was five. So I was I was three. So that's before listening to the Bruising album. Okay. Um, and so this is well, the story from my parents because it was so far you know so long ago I can't actually remember how it happened. But my parents, they said they always noticed from, you know, me being a baby that I always had this this obsession with musical instruments and people playing music. Mm-hmm. So I think it was my dad, he said he, he took me to the mall for some ice cream or something. I would have been three years old at the time. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy that was kind of having a bit of a busking set up and he had his, his you know, a small stage set up in his, his guitar and his, okay. and his amp set up on this little stage. And... um. Your dad said he was, he was walking around with me and he, he looked looked away for a second and I'd taken off and run up and climbed up on this guy's stage. Wow. <laughs> grabbed, I, grabbed his, I grabbed his guitar off the stand and my dad was there freaking out. I'm like, well, he's going to break this musician's guitar. I'm going to have to pay for it. You know, I'm like, what am I going to do? So um, he, he ran over to, to grab me and apparently the guitarist said, no, leave him alone, let him be. Uh-huh. So he let me, let me grab his guitar, supposedly, and of course the guitar was bigger than me. I was only three years old. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, I, I, I threw it over my 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 little leg at the time, and I was you know trying to play it, and um and apparently it looked like I'd been doing that you know wow. my whole life. That's cool. And, and, and the guy said um he said oh you know you know sir I'd I'd encourage you to um to to keep this going for your son, get him a guitar when he's old enough. Yeah. And um uh, and see where it goes. I think he's gonna do great things in his life. Wow. <laughs> and it's very funny all these years later that we're here and I'm actually forging a career as a professional musician. Um right. That's an absolutely amazing story. I mean, it's like, you know, I hear these stories from musicians all the time about, well, you know, my my dad was a musician or my grandfather was was a musician. I was around it and one day I picked it up and then I took lessons and yada yada. But clearly, that story, it's just like, like, it's like you were born with the gift. I do believe so. I, I do believe so. And it was, it was one of those things, I mean, it was to all instruments, too. I think it was soon after that, um, I think my, my mom had told me we had a function with some family friends. And all the kids, we, we'd, we'd, the parents had bought us all new bicycles and training wheels, right? Okay. We'd all gone to a friend's house to, to, to kind of to play on these bicycles. But um, in the house, there was a piano. And apparently, I mean, I'd had my new bicycle, but mom said I, I had no interest in, in riding that bike. Wow. I just, while all the kids were outside on the bicycles, I jumped up and tried to play the piano. That's what, that's what I was interested in doing at that's the time. That's cool. So anything to do with music, my parents said I was just completely, completely drawn to it. Yeah. And so they decided that maybe we should just encourage us and see where it goes. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm really glad that they did. Yeah. So you're, you're in your 20s now, right? Yes, I'm 27. 27. So you're you're a very very young man, but you're you're making music, you're playing multiple instruments, you're mixing, and you're producing and doing it for other artists now as well, other successful artists now, right? So like, yeah. <laughs> how are you fitting all of this in, man? Like you're like like you know usually what? what I have seen is I've seen somebody who's like they're a musician, 
And maybe later on in life, they begin to become a producer or maybe they're a producer. And then maybe later on in life, they become a, a, a performer as well. Right. But you're doing it all simultaneously. And working part time, a regular job. Jeez, no kidding, <laughs> man. Well, it, it's, it's crazy. You know, the whole the whole producer thing, Carl, it kind of fell on me by accident. I mean, so I, I, I went to university, I went to college to, to become a recording engineer. Mm-hmm. So I went to SAE. Um, which I believe there are there are SAEs based all over all over the US as well. But I went to the Auckland branch here where I'm where I'm raised, born and raised. Um and so kind of at that time when I started college, I was kind of it, up until that point it was just musical instruments. That was just what I did. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to take it further in the kind of the producer space. And um and I I kind of it, the whole thing once again came to me very naturally, kind of, you know, Working in a studio, just 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 kind of working, producing tracks, and from 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 that point, I kind of over time, and it took took me a long time, and I'm still you know, I'm still de- developing skills daily. Yeah. It's one of those things you never stop learning when you produce, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. just music in general. Um, so uh, one thing I did notice is when I started the whole producer thing, every assignment that I'd done in college that was, you know, producer-based, I always got really, really high grades. Mm-hmm. Um, I always excelled. Uh, my ears, I mean, I can't read. I can't sight-read music. Okay. So I've, I've relied on my ears my entire life, and I've trusted them fully. And that's kind of, that's kind of what I mentioned, you know, briefly earlier. You have, to, you have to trust yourself, you know, trust your ears when you're producing. And uh, so it was something that came to me very naturally. I continued to pursue it, but kind of it was – was through getting signed. I mean, I had really produced a, a lot of my own music long before I got signed and didn't know that I was actually producing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. In a way. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, to me, I was just writing the songs and I was just playing on the MIDI keyboard and putting elements together and that was it. That's, that's the way I saw it. Mm-hmm. But um, it was actually Jeff, you know, when I started, you know, because I, I wrote every single song on the New Beginnings album. Every single one. Wow. It was just having, you know, input from other co-producers like, of course, Nicholas Cole and Greg Manning and, and Chris Big Dog Davis. They came through and kind of added finishing touches that we needed at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically from doing that, you know, when, when you're listening to to pros doing their things and they're sending you all their stems and arrangements. For me, I don't just, you know, put them together in a session and start mixing. I analyzed all of those arrangements. Yeah. And I listened to what they're doing, you know, how does this element fit here, you know, just... Does this synth bass sound, you know, how does this fit with the piano, you know? How do all these things come together sonically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I started taking it a lot more seriously after, you know, doing more work with producers like them. And then, uh, you know, it came to a point where where Jeff said, hey, Ryan, do you want to write a couple, couple, you know, write and produce a couple songs for Lamech? Uh-huh. He's a new and up and artist. And I think Lamech, he, he had signed probably eight or nine months to trip in a rhythm after me. So I said, hey, this would be a great start, you know, so I right. ex- accepted the challenge and went through and produced the first track for Philomek, which was which was great, which of course will be released on his album very soon. Um, and then the second track, Groove Central, which has just hit the waves now, which is apparently exploding, it's blowing up. It is. I, I produced that for him, wrote and produced that song for him, it would have been you know, October of last year. Wow. Um, and when I finished all of my arrangements... Jeff said, Ryan, he said, we've got some great producers that have worked on this record, um, but I really want to take this track to radio. Awesome. So I wasn't expecting them to do that. Yeah. So I'm really glad that he trusted me with it. Um, 
And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm completely stoked. I'm blown away. It's, it's doing really big things at the moment. It really, really is. Yeah. If, you know, if it goes all the way to the top, then that's, that's, that's one big tip in my head as a producer be my first big tip no doubt about it no doubt about it yeah, yeah. i have a sitting here listening to you ryan and having listened to your music and really just kind of you know your demeanor as a as a as a young man i have a sense that 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 part-time job's going to be in the rearview mirror really really soon <laughs> you know because <laughs> i think i think you're going to be a pretty sought after not just as a performer but as a producer as well so well, thank you so much well that's my dream you know and um I'm the kind of person I um I, I do whatever it takes, you know. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of, a lot of people don't really realize a lot of the struggles that we have to go through as artists. You know, a, a, many of us, uh, we we have to go through the stages before we have established careers, and we do have to work yep. regular job, we have to survive and pay bills, and yep. and you know, and and as long I think as as long as other you know emerging artists keep this in mind and they realize that they're not the only ones who've had to do this, yeah, they'll be okay. You know, it's all part of the process and. And for me, I talk about this with Jeff all the time. Um, and he was kind of really the first person who instilled this in me. He said, Ryan, he said, you're signing this record deal with us now. He said, we're going to go all in with it. I know you're going to as well. But my friend, you can't be successful if you have a plan B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I really thought about it. And if, and if you look at it, you know, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, even away from the music industry, people who have been successful starting up businesses in different fields, they really had to put their everything into it to, to yeah. get it to where it was. Yeah. Um, you, I don't think you can have your heart invested in too many places at once. It's too difficult to put. If, you, if you're dividing up your energy into a million places, it's really yep. hard to focus. Yeah. Really, really hard. So, I, yeah, um, I agree with you. I think, that's, I think that's the price of greatness, right? Is that ability yeah, no. and that desire to be single-mindedly focused and give your, your everything to something, you know? Exactly. And in, of course, you know, doing what you have to do in the meantime. I mean, the way I look at it is, is you know, my regular job, it's not my plan B, but it, it's fueling plan A. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. The way yeah. Yeah, that's a smart way of doing and it. It's enabling me to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love, too, how grounded you are about it, because I, I think you're right. I don't think, I don't think most people understand the amount of work and toil and sacrifice that goes into getting to where you are and continuing to stay there, right? Like, th those it's, are... Consistency is everything. It's really difficult. Yeah, yeah. Like, those yeah, are both... Uh, yeah, with, with other top artists, you've got to really be up on your game. It's, it's not yeah. an easy thing. Yeah, and yeah. that requires... I mean, that requires, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours of work. And then you guys sometimes, though, make it... Make the, the, the average Joe like me you give us a false sense because you guys get up on stage and you make it look so easy and so effortless, right? And we forget that, yeah, no, it's, it looks easy for him because he's put in countless hours practicing and preparing for that moment to be on stage. Yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, it, it, it is a tricky one. I mean, and I've, I've told several people this, you know, when I had my, my first major show as a solo artist was Seabreeze. So I was kind of up until then, I was just, you know, this 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 dude playing weddings and birthdays. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> of course, you know, just I mean, the 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 biggest show that I had done or shows that I had done in the past were you know as a sideman playing for other bigger artists mm -hmm. here in New Zealand. So I was never the guy out front. Yeah. I always wanted to be, but didn't realize the pressure and you know the responsibility that's involved when you're the guy out front. You know, I mean, getting dropped into into Seabreeze 
having to arrange, you know, you know, getting a band together and, you know, I mean, of course, knowing, knowing who these people are through, you know, word of mouth. But, you know, you're, you're flying halfway across the world with no guarantees. Anything could go wrong. Yep. Things did go wrong for me at the time. But you have to be strong mentally and, and, and brush everything off and, and be there to do business. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you're up on that stage. I mean, I had a case with you. If, you know, you watch that footage, we sound checked my piccolo bass and everything was perfect. Everything uh-huh. was perfect. Once I picked it up to start playing the first piccolo bass track, there was no sound whatsoever. Uh. And to this day, we still don't know what happened on stage. So I had to put that bass down, pick up my guitar and play every single piccolo bass track. I just had to just improvise off the bat. You know, the show had to go on. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so it's one of the things you have to think quick in a situation where, you know, things, you know, disasters can happen on stage. Um, the amount of preparation and work that goes into, you know, getting your charts together to send to the musicians, arranging. I mean, I'd never arranged, you know, live backing tracks in my life. Yeah. So I was reliant, you know, basically my drummer, Simeon Moore, who would, you know, work with so many artists who had, you know, run tracks in his, in his career. He kind of took me, he ran me through over the farm on how to kind of set everything up and pan, you know, click track to the right and, and pan the music to the left and, okay. and everything like that. And you know, listening back to, to how the tracks came out lighter was, was really quite phenomenal. And I basically, I, that was, I was just dropped into it. So you, I, I guess it's one of those cases where once you're dropped into it, you either go with it or you don't. And I chose to go with it and I'm, I'm glad that I did. Yeah. You know, you know, just you—you you say this all so matter-of-factly now, right? But like, Seabreeze is one of the biggest festivals in the world, right? And I know. I didn't really work until later. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that's like your first experience, and you just—you're you're saying like you got dropped in, like, like that's pretty amazing. It, it is amazing, and um, it, it took it took a while for everything to sink in. I mean, it was a little bit. I'll be honest, it was a little bit intimidating for me. You know, yeah. when I finished the show and you, you've got security guards around you and you're being taken to the CD signing tent, you know, and people are screaming at you and taking photos. And yeah. It, it was a lot to take in. Um, and it, I sat back for about a month after that whole show had finished and kind of thought about it. And it was a lot to take in, but I said, you know, it, it was rough, but it was an amazing, amazing first experience. Yeah. And this is this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I, I made that decision. Yeah. So how, since Seabreeze, how many, how many big festivals have you been able to participate in? Uh, so that was, that was the only one at the time. I mean, I had um, the Mallorca, not the Mallorca, it was this, the Algarve Jazz Festival uh-huh. in Europe going to next month. Okay. So that was my second major one. So basically when I got back home, that was kind of, that was kind of it for the most part. So it was back into kind of writing and getting, things together prepping for the next record which i'll be probably starting on in the next few months mm-hmm. um so it's, it's been it's been a slow process um the sea breeze thing kind of happened last minute i would say yeah um but of course i've, I've recently signed on with a manager now so looking at coming back to the u.s in the second half of this year and doing doing the rounds at the clubs okay so kind of getting a whole bunch of things together it's it's a it's a big work in progress a lot of admin and stuff that's involved yeah, um, I, I tell people with the business side of things when they when they see you know a poster that that you know is is released to social media with all these tour dates, it d- it doesn't just happen. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, a, a lot of things are involved to to to, to get everything in place. Yeah, so yeah. I'm that at the moment, yeah. So, how does it make you feel when you're on stage and you're playing and you're looking out at the audience and you're seeing people really vibing to your music? 
knowing that you could potentially, you know, change someone's life and, and, and make them happy. Yeah. And that's the big buzz for me. Yeah. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. It's amazing the power of music to do that. I was, um, like I mentioned, I was, I just came back from the Burks Jazz Festival and our producer for the, the show here today, Suzanne and I, we happened to both be at a snarky puppy show last week and wow. noticing that very thing, like at the snarky puppy show, there was this one guy who stood and danced the entire time. Like, uh, when I say the entire time, that was probably a, that was a, at least a ninety-minute set, and that guy stood and danced the entire time, and he had a big, huge smile on his face, and he looked just like—I mean, he was like a kid who got the best Christmas present ever, and yeah. it was so cool and so fun just watching him. And that is the power that musicians have when they're when they're when they're doing their thing, you know. That, that is so true. It is amazing to see, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. I mean, and even, like, I enjoyed the show. That was not my way of doing it. Like, I'm sitting there, I'm bopping my head, I'm tapping my feet, and I'm really kind of getting into it, doing my little dancing in my chair. But that guy, he was on his feet the entire time. It was just so fun <laughs> to watch. So Power of music, for sure. Yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt. So, Ryan, we have this segment we do on the show. It's called Bout It or Doubt It, okay? So, if you're about it, it's something that you like or that you're into. If you doubt it, something you're not feeling. Can we get you to play today? Sounds good to me. All right. I started this body body. If you bought it, get them up. I mean you body body. I mean you body body. We say you body body. I represent. I doubt it. All right, so Ryan, we're going to spin the wheel and get you a category. Then we're going to ask you a couple of about it or doubt it questions, okay? Okay, sounds good. All right, Ryan, your category today is television, okay? So about it or doubt it, Game of Thrones. Say doubt it. Yeah, okay. Not Never got into it, huh? No, I mean, I've heard amazing things. My sister's watched it from beginning to end. Okay. I guess, uh, yeah, maybe one day I'll go through it. I, I just, I've never been the, 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 the hugest, you know, the, the biggest, I should say, um, t- television guy. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's just, yeah. Not your thing, pretty much the TV thing, huh? No, good, good movies from time to time, but I, okay. I find, you know, if I get into a series, sometimes I, I get the reverse effect, you know, where... I won't stop until I finish it and I'm not productive anymore. Ah, <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, okay. So I try and kind of stay away from that if, if I want to be productive, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, we'll ask you one more. What about crime dramas? Bout it or doubt it? Doubt it. Doubt it, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, see, I'm the opposite of you. Like, I don't watch a whole lot of TV, but, like, there are certain things, like, like there, I just started watching, and I don't know if it's, it's probably just in the States, but I just started watching this, show called the mayor of kingstown and it stars jeremy renner and it's about basically a town whose main industry is prisons and it's a crime drama but i gotta tell you man i I watched the first episode and i've like not been able to turn it off since then like that's the only thing i've watched on tv in the last week you know (laughs) It's amazing. Well, if you ask my dad this question, it would, it would be about it. He loves okay. crime drama. Okay, he does. Okay, 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 yeah. okay. All right. And so, you, you, so you're still living in New Zealand, correct? Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, that your, is that your goal to, to stay in New Zealand? Are you thinking about, you know, moving for your career or? 
No, at this stage, I'm an open book. Um, yeah. I, I do realize, I mean, I, I've, I'm, you know, patriotic New Zealander all the way. I love my yeah. country. I love where I live. But, you know, because we have a population that is so small, just, just the, you know, not even just on the contemporary jazz front, but just the, the music scene in general is we have a small population. Yeah. So it, it, it is difficult to, to, to move forward and proceed and make a living doing this here. Yeah. Um, I mean, a, a lot of big artists who, who have come out of New Zealand, who have done the, the biggest things of all, spent spent some good time in the states or the UK or other parts of Europe. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the pop artist Lord. Yeah, oh yeah, she's she's from New Zealand. Okay, okay. Um, I, I believe I think she may be living back here now, but she I think she's got a home in LA. She okay. she goes out maybe six months of the year. She's out there doing her thing. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't guarantee that, but. Yeah, so so basically, whatever it takes to to succeed in this career, if I've got to move for a certain period of time to establish myself, then yeah, inside so you just make it work. Yeah, um, you know, if it were easy, everyone would do it, right? Right, exactly. That's <laughs> true. That's very true. So, uh, you know, I understand that this is this is the path that I've chosen. There are going to have to be some more sacrifice. I mean, sacrifice is nothing new to me now. Yeah, I've yeah. Been making these, you know, making sacrifices for years. So, but the, the beauty about you know this age of technology and social media that we live in now is you can. You can stay in touch with family no matter where, no matter where you live, yeah. where you're based. At yeah, that's time. true. That's very true. So, so that's all good. Um, what, whatever happens, happens. But um, I, I wouldn't say no to a, a temporary move to the states for yeah. my career. I wouldn't say no to that at all. Absolutely, good, 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 good to hear that. Well, let's listen to another one of your songs. How about we take a listen to your hit, Highway Ten? All right, sounds good. All right.
everybody. You just heard today's guest, Ryan Lavalette, with his song, Highway 10. So, Ryan, you released work as an independent before you signed with Trippin' and Rhythm. What's the difference yep. releasing work as an independent versus being on a label? Independent, independent's great in some ways, but it's also rough. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, my very, very first um, CD that I released um, entitled Saturated Smooth, um, I, 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 I created that whole record on a budget of $350. Wow. <laughs> no kidding. I mean, so when you're in, I mean, I was in my final year of college at the time. It was actually a dissertation, like an, an assignment project to, and, but basically my case study was the, the smooth jazz genre. That mm-hmm. was basically what I did my sort of a dissertation slash sort of thesis on. Uh, and it was basically just a, a whole um, compilation of tracks that I'd written, which of course I ended up, you know, making it an album and releasing the following year, which was 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when, when you're a st- I mean, I was still working part time at that time, you know, as, as a student as well. And, you know, when, when you're a student, you don't have much money because your money's just going to, to you know, insurance bills, phone bills, and every other bill that you can think of. Sure, absolutely. Um, so so I basically, it was out of necessity where I had to learn to play all of these instruments myself. So, I mean, the, the, the dr- some of the drums that you hear on that, that record, I mean, they're all fake. I mean, they're all programmed samples. Mm, okay. Because I, I couldn't afford the real guy. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't afford the real bass player, so I had to learn how to play bass myself. I, you know, so all these things... Um, I think it was just one friend that I had at the time that kind of helped me, um, you know, put together some of the beats. I was kind of a bit of a newbie at it at the time. Um, but that that was about it. Everything else was me because, it, you know, like I said, out of necessity, I couldn't afford the real guys. Yeah, so yeah. Basically the only – so he mixed – at the time, he mixed the project for me. And then I just paid the, the mastering engineer, which is the 350 bucks to get uh-huh. everything else, and then released it. And and I've and I've been doing pretty much everything else ever since. Um, when it came to you know my next project, um, it would have been Dimensions of Me. I was making a little bit more money at the time in my regular job to kind of help bring maybe one or two people on board. So I'd, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd reached out to to Greg Manning. He produced one of the tracks. He co-produced one of the tracks. I think it was. Forever in a day. It was actually a vocal track where I, I, I sang through the whole song. Okay. Um. So I got I got him to play, um, keys and and synth bass, and of course I hired Chris Big Dog Davis to do the same thing. Um. Where I get them to play all the keys arrangements, then I'd kind of play everything else around it. So it was still efficient enough financially for me to swing. Yeah. Where I yeah. Could just get someone on board to do, you know, a bunch of these elements, and I could I could do the rest. So that's kind of how I did things for a long time up until I got signed, and then. When you start, you know, get getting given advances, it makes life a lot easier. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. No doubt, no doubt. So, what's it like for you when you're in the zone musically? Uh, some sometimes, sometimes it's bad, man. Sometimes you can, you you end up. Sometimes us musicians, when we get into the zone with that, we 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 end up oblivious to everything else that's going on around us. You mean? I mean, it's yeah, it's crazy. You're just in the studio constantly. Probably for me to an unhealthy extent where I've got to get out and just and get fresh air. Okay. And sometimes for me, when, I, when I'm in there in the zone, writing and producing, I just, you just go into obsession mode and you don't stop. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Until it's done. You don't stop until it's done. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm having to kind of train myself to take breaks and, and, and give your ears a rest because when your ears get fatigued, you can hear anything, you know? Yeah, so yeah. You can't be careful there. Yeah. Yeah. So is music your 
your career and your hobby, or do you have hobbies outside of music? I, I do have a hobby outside of music. Okay. I do. Okay. Which I'm thankful for because a lot of musicians, you know, just thinking about this now, as you, as you asked me this question, I think for a, a lot of professional musicians who have made this a career, basically, that's their entire life. It's, yeah. it's, it's Music is everything. And that's not a bad thing. But I think sometimes too much of one thing can drive you crazy at times. So I am glad that I do have an outlet. Yeah, yeah. What it, what you can, mind sharing? What your hobby is outside of music or hobbies? Uh, I'm I'm a car enthusiast. Are you okay? Okay. So with 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 my dad, I mean, my dad's a jack of all trades. He can fix anything. Okay. So I, I've grown up with with you know with all all the you know different cars that he bought over the years with. As a kid, you know, I'd, I'd be, you know, helping him do all changes, air filter changes, all sorts of different things on the yeah. vehicles, you know, and and so kind of, I, I, I developed a quite, quite a, a deep passion for, you know, for kind of the motorsport world. Huh. So I, I, kind of, I kind of got into 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 the cars thing um, in my in my early twenties, and that's kind of my my hobby, you know, tinkering around, working on engines and stuff in my spare time yeah. when the weather's good. Um, that's, that's my outlet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now is there, so you're, you're into fixing and or restoring cars or are you, do you race cars as well? Do you? So not racing. Okay. Um, I don't think my mom would approve of that. <laughs> <laughs> but you just, just, you know, the, 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 you know, fixing them. Yeah. The mild modifications, that kind of stuff. That's kind of the, the hobby that I'm into car wise. That's pretty cool. All right, so what's your what's what's the what's your dream car? Dream. Well, I actually already own my dream car. Oh, cool! Uh, I was I was very very lucky to 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 buy this particular vehicle at a time where it had you know the, the prices had plummeted in the market, depreciation hit pretty hard, um, and I, I I bought the vehicle off an owner who didn't really know too much about the the resale value of it, so I, I was I was lucky huh. lucky enough to sell it for a good price. Okay, okay. So, yeah. What kind of car is it? So it's a Mercedes E55 AMG. Wow. Those are nice. Yeah. So it was actually a, a dream car that I wanted years and probably eight, nine years ago. Um, and did, didn't know that I, you know, if, I've, if I'd ever be able to a, afford one at this stage of my life. But yeah. Yeah. It was, it was high mileage, but it was just meticulously taken care of you. I mean, you, we wouldn't even know. Things nearly done 200,000 miles. Wow. But if you look at, you look at the paint work, the engine has no rattles, there's no rips in the leather interior. It's just, it's, it's an incredible, incredible condition for good. its age and mileage. Um, I got a really good deal. I, I bought it just before the whole wall came down, coronavirus in oh, 2020. Yeah. Okay. It was two months before we were went into lockdown. Um, and so basically, at, you know, at that time, uh, when we all had to stay at home, I was just, you know, I was spending time, you know, you know, buffing the vehicle and uh-huh. restoring the interior, you know, conditioning the leather and on the side of that, you know, writing music in there too. So it kind of got me through a frustrating time where I couldn't go anywhere and do anything. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that was kind of, that was my release being, you know, around that vehicle and be able to kind of tinker around with it. That's yeah. cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. So if you could collaborate with anyone in music history, who would it be and... What song do you would you want to do with them? It's quite the question. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd say at this stage, I'd say Bruno Mars. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'd say Bruno Mars. Um, someone kind of yeah, I know a, a bit away from the, the smooth jazz world, yeah. but um, 
the work that he's that he's done, especially the the, the Silk Sonic stuff. Oh, yes. Man, that's, oh man, yeah. Um, that's I, I I draw a lot of my. I mean, my next record, uh, and the, and I said this to to Jeff as well, to Jeff Lunt, that it's going to be heavily based around these super super modern vibes. You know, kind of wanting to bring more and more young people to listen to this music. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the beauty of you know I think just jazz in general. You you, you can you can hybridize this music with anything. Yeah. Make it sound great. Yeah, you really um, can. So yeah, Bruno is someone I'd like to work with. Just just on just kind of fusing what he does with contemporary jazz. That would, yeah, that would be great. That would be a lot of fun. Oh, I love Bruno Mars, and I particularly love their remake, uh, Silk Sonic's remake of the old Confunction song Love Train. Man. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's that's some good stuff right there. That's some good stuff. Well, tell me this. What was the first concert you ever attended? The first concert? It would have been Beach Boys concert. Okay. Uh, with my parents. Uh-huh. Uh, the opening act for them at the time. So they came down here to New Zealand. It was actually Christopher Cross. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he was on first. I mean, because Christopher, he had... He's one of those kind of one-hit wonder guys. Yeah, he, he, had, he had some some beautiful tracks, then kind of vanished off the face of the earth. But I, I got to see him at that time. He was he was opening for the Beach Boys down here. An incredible concert, and of course, their concert was incredible too. Once they came on stage, yeah. So that was the first kind of collabs of, of two artists together concert that I that I got to see. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Now that you're a, a professional musician, are you able to go to shows and just enjoy them, or are you going to shows and like? thinking and critiquing and all that stuff when you're at a show uh i think in terms of critiquing it's it's only only to the sound quality okay. my producer yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah i mean but yeah like I, I i do try very hard to go to a show and 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 listen to it for enjoyment i think just with music in general it's it's hard when you, you know you you know you, you go pro with the whole thing and, and you, you produce as well even listening to music in the car going to work and stuff you know i mean you can end up just you know, critiquing it to the end of the moon. So I, I, I try and turn off that producer side of my brain. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and just, just listen to it for the enjoyment. Not listening to, you know, if, if he's panned, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the hi-hat to the right place, if it's left or right, I try and try and ignore that when I'm uh-huh. you know, trying to enjoy music. Yeah. That's all right. That's all right. Well, let's listen to one more of your songs. How about we listen to a song that is you, you featuring Chris Big Dog Davis. How about we take a listen to Closer to You? Sounds great. All right.
That was Closer to You by today's guest, Ryan Lavalette. So as someone, Ryan, who also is a producer, what's it like yes. working with other producers when you choose to do that? It's, well, it makes me realize I still have a lot to learn. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a beautiful, humbling experience. I mean, working with, I mean, especially with Chris, I mean, mm-hmm. the way that he does arrangements, that completely blows my mind. The way that he hears things, I mean, I've in the past, you know, had him co-produce several tracks of mine where I'd, you know, I'd, I'd have arrangements that I'd done. I'd send them, send them all to him and kind of send him another track that, you know, where I've removed all the keyboards and everything else for him to kind of do his thing and put his arrangements in. Yeah. And I sit, ba- sit back just marveling going, how, how does this guy hear it this way, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just, so, and all that stuff, like I, like I said to you, you know, earlier on in this, in this chat where I, I take all of that and I, I listen to the way that he does things and try to use that as an influence for myself and yeah. my producing. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. So you're 27 now. What, what advice would you give your 13-year-old self about life based on what you've learned thus far? I would say to, to be patient. Yeah, yeah. I think that's important. I mean, and I'm always trying to instill that in myself, you know, every day is to be patient. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the most you can do is you got to go and do the work. You have, mm-hmm. you have to work hard towards whatever goals you have in your life. I, I, I do realize that now. Um, but it, everything else that you do, everything else that happens, I should say, it's, it's got to happen organically. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, some sometimes amazing things happen to you. Um, in this life, but it's it's often not on your terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. When the universe and the Lord says, you know, now's the time. You've you've done the work. You've prepared. Yep. Then you'll get to break. Yeah. Um, yeah. I believe that's the way it goes. And um, I think a lot of like my my current success is still is still very much underground. Um, yeah. I think there's still kind of a lot of curiosity about who I am and and everything yeah. because I'm not quite on the scene yet. But I'm I'm, I'm totally cool with that. It's all part of the process. Um, and I, I just continue to hustle and grind and, and, and work on my craft. And when the time comes where you know, my name finally surfaces, I'll, I'll be ready to go. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, yeah. My, my wife has this saying, stay ready so you don't have to get ready, right? And it sounds <laughs> like that's kind of your take on things too, it sounds like, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm that's awesome, though. And that's really wise advice, though, too, because I, you know, like I wasn't at 27. I was nowhere near wise enough to say to myself, be patient. And when the Lord says it's your time, it's going to be your time. At 58 now, I have learned that that is how the world and life operates. Like, yeah, I can do all I want to do to want to make it move as fast as I want to make it move. But you know what? God's in control. I'm just letting yes, yeah. let, letting God do what he's going to do when he does it. And when he chooses to do it, that's going to be the perfect time for it to happen. Exactly. I mean, because I, I, I've failed several times, um, you know, throughout my, my, my short, you know, musical journey to the stage already. And um, they, they, those failures, they, they do hit you hard. But yeah. you, either, you, you either get up and move forward or you, or you don't. Um, and of course, I chose, I chose to get up and, and, and keep going. And learning from from those mistakes, um, one of those was just you know wanting to make things happen too fast. And when you try and do that, um, there, there can be consequences, you know. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. Um, so what what I learned from all of the mistakes that I made is just to just continue doing the work, be patient. It happens when it happens. Yeah. Good it's for you. Control. Good yeah. for you. So what what goals have you set for your music career? What are some of the things you'd like to accomplish? Well, the the, the biggest goal for me is this: is to be able to make a a solid, healthy living. Yeah, doing the full time. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's the one for me. You know, combination of you know, you know, touring, writing, and, and producing that whole thing. Mm-hmm. I feel I'm getting closer. Yeah, yeah, getting yeah, yeah. There. And just, 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 just to be, um, I'd like to in the in the next five years. I know this may sound a little optimistic, but to be a headlining artist. Yeah, at that state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's not. I don't think that's really that optimistic, quite frankly. I mean, I think from you know, particularly me, my, from my opinion as a promoter, like we're. You know, I think I think you know in this genre, there needs to be a little bit of a, ch- a turn and a change. In that, when you go to festivals, it's usually the same people all the time, right? And it's it's because those people are really really good. But there's so much great talent that I know one of the things we try to do with our festival is we try to have a mixture of those awesome artists that everybody has come to love, but bring in some of the new artists too that. People may not have had an experience with, but like I, I, we had, I'll tell you a story. We had, um, we brought Candace Springs to a show and who's also a car enthusiast, right? She's a huge car enthusiast like you. Well, I didn't, didn't know this. She is a serious gearhead. So you guys should connect on that front. If not any other, not some other fronts. Right. But I had some people come up to me after the, after the show and say, where did you find her? And I was just kind of like, you know, inside I'm kind of <laughs> laughing because I'm like, well, um, I didn't find her. Like she's been out here in plain sight. I just happened to say, we got to give her a platform because she's awesome, you know? And yeah. I, I don't, for you, five years as a headliner, trust me, you're going to blow that goal out of the water. I guarantee you that much. I guarantee well, you that yeah, much. Sure. Yeah. So what's something, Ryan, that our fans would be surprised to learn about you? Learn, be surprised to learn about me. Um, well, they may have been surprised about you know the, the car situation. We already yeah. mentioned that. What else? That's that's another another hobby of mine is a other passion for food. Oh, okay, all right. I'm I'm, I'm I'm an extremely multicultural person. I mean, my mother is Dutch Indonesian. My dad is is Maori, which is he's, he's a native New Zealander and okay. Croatian. Okay, so just kind of having this this kind of this 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 mix of of um of cultures yeah. uh, growing up with uh, you know asian fusion food and dutch food all this kind of stuff it kind of I kind of you know developed a, a a small passion for for just cooking in that i mean i, I cook for my family quite a lot wow okay um so just kind of there's actually one point where i was considering you know um starting up a just an instagram page just just based on food yeah and doing, like, photography yeah but i realized that it wasn't it was something would probably take up too much of my time if I wanted to be serious about it. Uh-huh. Once again, those things, you know, putting putting all your energy in, in a million different places, I thought it probably wouldn't have been a good idea. Maybe in the future I'll do it if I, if I have more time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. My, my main focus is getting this music thing going. So maybe maybe in the future I'll I'll do something along those along those lines. Good for you. Uh, and like as a cook, any go to dishes? Anything that things that you love to cook? Anything spicy, man. Anything okay. spicy. Okay, okay. Um, Indonesian beef rendang, uh-huh. bami goreng, um, all those those kinds of dishes. That's me. All right, all I'm right. That's awesome. Well, so okay, so on that line, another question I like to ask all of our guests: You're having a you're having a dinner party, and you can invite any three people, living or deceased. Who's coming to your dinner party, and what's on the menu? Okay, first person, George Benson. Oh yeah. You said living or alive, right? Yeah, it can be living or deceased. Yep. Living with a cease, that's right, mm-hmm. not my bad. Uh, so we'd have we'd have so we'd have George. Oof. Where's Montgomery? Yeah, oh man. Pop this one of them, Marvin Gaye. 
Oh, wow. Oh, it's quite a combination. That right? is what, oh man, I'd have to like try to try to be a fly on the wall at that dinner party. That'd be yes, a lot yes. of fun. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. Uh, that's awesome. So, okay, so what you serving? And I'll go with soul food. Yeah, okay. All, all right. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I grew up in a household where my mom was a fantastic soul food cook. And like there was something about, she's passed on now, but there was something about having dinner with some soul food and some good music playing in the background that is just kind of like, yeah, I think I might be in heaven right now, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, good music, good food, and good people. That's the one. That's that, the combo. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right. So another question I love to ask all of our guests, what are your three favorite albums of all time? True favorite. Okay. I'll say the Breezen album is number one because mm-hmm. that was a huge influential in my life. Um, what would the second album be? No, let's say uh, the the Just Between Us album, Norman Brown's debut album, yes. Mo Jed. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that still blows my mind to this day. Um, a lot of people say After the Storm, which I still think is an incredible record, but for me, it was his very first. Mm-hmm. That's the one that, that that took me by storm the most. Um, so yeah, the Breezen album, Just Between Us, Norman Brown. I like to think of a third. I'm just having a, a brief look right now at my yeah, 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 yeah. Collections to see which one it would be. <laughs> Actually, where's Montgomery? Pretty blue. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's a beautiful record. The string section and everything there was phenomenal. That's awesome. That is awesome. Now this selection could could slightly change in a couple of years, but for now I'm sticking with that. So. that that's a pretty good list to stick with for a while. I understand completely. Yeah. That's a great list. So, what does the rest of the year hold for you, Ryan? Rest of the year. I guess it's well. I've, I've got this this major festival in Europe coming up very soon, so mm-hmm. that's exciting. A a a very probable uh, mini tour back in the US the second half of the year, which is also very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and just of course, um, back in the studio probably in the next few months' time, uh, writing and producing for the next record, which will be probably getting released next year. Okay, so I'm very excited to be going on that. So all these influences, like I, I mentioned, like the Silk Sonic thing, Bruno Mars. All these different kind of spaces I'm tapping into this time um, for this record, so I think it's, I think it's going to blow myself away. To That's be honest, awesome. That is I, fantastic. I really, I really want to take this music, you know, and I feel so strongly about this, so taking it to, to the next level, right? Really emphasizing getting more people my age to listen to this music. Yeah, yeah. And kind of and and, and just just keep the fire burning. So you know, it, this this music. I want this music. You know, this genre to be here to stay for a long time. Absolutely, absolutely. And that, that's that's basically what I, I keep in mind when I write my music is is to have longevity. Yeah, yeah. Not, not something that's just you know people listen to it and they go, oh, okay. Yeah. I really want it to something to be this music to mean something to them. Mm-hmm. It's, it runs a lot deeper for me. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well. I have a sneaking suspicion that you're going to be able to accomplish that and a whole lot more with your career. Um, I got to tell you, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. And we wish you nothing but continued success, man. I, I, um, I think the sky's the limit for you. Thank you so much, Carl. Continue working hard. Sure. Absolutely. Well, no, there's no doubt that you will. So thank you for coming on today, man. Well, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Everybody, get your tickets now for the Fresh Coast Jazz Festival featuring Larry Carlton, Paul Brown, Rick Braun, Julian Vaughn, Lynn Roundtree, Lindsay Webster, Jeff Ryan, and Ollie Silk. Go to FreshCoastJazz.com for tickets. They're selling fast, so get yours today. That's our show for this week. 
Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. Backstage.